Good luck with the most beautiful game. Do us proud. Red alert. They're off and running again. So smooth. So sweet. Splendid. Succinct. Just glorious execution. Guys, all I'm looking for is 60% effort or 1,000% of the time. How sharp was that? Sharp of mind and body. And that's why you see those beautiful tears. Look at his movements. The most dangerous man on the planet. Nobody picks him up. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Wonder Goal, the soccer betting podcast from the Action Network. My name is Michael Leboff, and in just a moment, I'll be joined by my co-hosts and friends, Anthony Dabundo and BJ Cunningham. But before I bring them in, just a reminder, Wonder Goal is presented by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION to get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer in New Jersey and Colorado. Bet $1, get 200 free. Anthony, before we start this program, we're going to start with United and Spurs, but before we did... Uh, on our last Premier League pod, we talked about how overs were clipping at an absurd rate in the Premier League. And we said, we all three of us kind of agreed, oh, there's going to be a time to round robin the unders. We decided that the time would come the week before the World Cup. And guess what happened? Tell them what happened. Unders went nine and one in the Premier League last week. And weekend. what over did you have? I had the under, I had two unders and the, one of them went over. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. All right, so with it was, that, it was also, I mean, it was not, I mean, Bournemouth scored their first two shots. Bournemouth's the greatest finishing team on planet Earth. Yeah, they, just, they that's, are. We, just have to, we have to bake that into our numbers now. And Fulham is too. So, yeah, uh, yeah I mean, another relegation under that I bet and lost. But yeah, under's nine and one. Uh, we saw it, you know, the XG over the course of the 10 matches wasn't really that different from last weekend when we had a ton of overs. And I think that's kind of a lesson in soccer betting. Like, don't There's do a it. lot of variance in a soccer match. You can't just look at the single game XG. You can't just look at how many teams, how many goals have they scored recently. Like it, it, there's a lot more that goes into it. And there's a lot of variance in finishing. It's funny because you can watch the same game where the team takes the same shots and you will, the, the, the entire narrative, oh, what a spectacular performance by team X is often decided by whether their shot from 18 yards went in the top corner or went wide at the top corner. You know, and that's really the beauty of the sport and the pain of the sport. And that's a perfect way to, to begin our conversations about the Premier League midweek matches. There are nine of them. City and Arsenal are postponed because Arsenal is playing in Europa League game that was postponed because Queen Elizabeth died. But there is a headliner. 3.15 p.m. on Wednesday afternoon, Manchester United plus 125. Home favorites against Tottenham Hotspur plus 210 at Bet365. The draw here is plus 240. Spurs off of an impressive win against Everton 2-0 and United bent but didn't break. I guess that's the only way you can put it against Newcastle in a in a nil-nil. Joe Linton hitting the crossbar and then the post. I just turned around and walked out of the room after that. I think we know where this conversation's gonna go. BJ, so let's start with you. United Spurs, draw over under. Where are you going here? Well, obviously I'm going with Tottenham. You know, this is the line just kind of crashed a little bit. You know, United was plus 120 essentially before. Their match against Newcastle, they drew them 0-0. It was, you know, pretty even match on XG. And the line now crashed down to plus 140 for Manchester United. So it looks like the market is finally actually giving Tottenham some respect that they actually deserve. You know, you look at the final XG from that Man United match against Newcastle, you know, you'd think it would be pretty even. You know, United was about 1.1, Newcastle about 0.9. But 0.45 of United's XG came on the Marcus Rashford header that went wide at the, at the, at the 94th minute. So for the other 93 minutes, they created 0.64 XG off of 14 shots. And now they're supposed to break down Tottenham's low block, which has been incredibly effective this season. They've only allowed 0.9 XG per match against teams, not named Arsenal. I mean, United, I, I, I don't, I won't go through the defensive numbers like I did last week, but if we took it on the flip side, offensively, they are really, really reliant on big scoring chances. Like they're ninth in shots and fifth in big scoring chances. Tottenham's allowed the fewest big scoring chances in the premier league this season. And, you know, the thing about Tottenham is, is, is that I know Anthony is going to tell you like, 
Hey, yeah, maybe they performed more than better than they should have last season. They really weren't, you know, a plus one actually differential per 90. Okay. That's, that's fair. That's fine. If we are just taking this year's data, Tottenham right now is at plus 0.5 XG differential per 90 United is sitting around minus 0.1, which is really what they kind of were for most of last season. So, and then we give, you know, a little bit of home field advantage to United, which I project out as 0.35 XG Tottenham still should be favored in this match. Like there is no reason why they should not be favored. I really don't get this. So I'm taking Tottenham draw no bet at plus 115. Yeah. I, I really don't understand this line. And I really, there's, they continue to price man United. Like they're just, a little step below Tottenham, which is just not the case. There actually is quite a large gap between these two teams right now. So I am on Anthony Spurs. Come on, you Spurs. Come on, you Spurs. I'm with you on the money line, uh, plus 210. I mean, sometimes you can just kind of boil it down to which team is better. And I think this conversation, <laughs> it's Tottenham by a while. The numbers bear that out. The performances bear it out. And I think stylistically, again, we talk about Spurs when to play him and when not to a lot of it depends on what their opponent's going to how their opponent's going to set up and i know we've seen ten hog try his best to to get this team to play you know pretty low and then spring attacks on the counter but this united team has so many mistakes in it and what does tottenham do better than basically anybody they feed off mistakes and and are able to just capitalize them and be clinical so yeah i like spurs on the money line I, i thought this line was pretty fun just right off the bat when i was scrolling so i'm on tottenham it's a money line for me anthony you rarely bet these Spurs under Antonio Conte, and uh, still, we can't get you on board here, even against this overrated Man United side. Yeah, I've bet them twice now this year, both in the Champions League against Frankfurt, split those. <laughs> but I think the interesting part of this match is who's going to have more of the ball? Because from my perception of how this lines up, Ten Hag has set them up in a way that they're no longer trying to play out from the back. They're no longer doing the short goal kicks. They're no longer relying on the the passing from the back four because it's incredibly mediocre and they don't have the passing in the midfield to exploit it either. But Tottenham's not going to press. So I don't think Spurs are necessarily a team that's going to kind of expose those weaknesses, similar to what Arsenal did for large parts of that match. I know United got in behind and took advantage in the end, but when Arsenal was able to press United. They were able to cause a lot of problems for United in that match. I don't think we're going to see, and, and City as well, I don't think we're going to see Spurs do that. So this, the, the fear is that United has really, really good attacking talent. And that is going to be the battle against Tottenham's elite defending in the penalty area. And BJ's right. like They concede a lot of space in the final third. And when you do that, you need to be excellent at defending the penalty area. And Spurs are. They don't give much off of set pieces either. Uh, and they create the most shots from direct attacks in the league. So I see a path to success for, for Tottenham here on the counter. These two teams played at Old Trafford in the spring. It was a different manager for United, but I think the game played out about how I expect it. United had more of the ball. They didn't create that many more chances, though. It was only about 2.3 expected goals, but Spurs did struggle a little bit in transition to create. So I do wonder... You know, this Tottenham team is still not right. You watch the game against Everton prior to the penalty, which was dubious at best. They had created less than 0.7 expected goals. The penalty opens things up. It lets Spurs play how they want. They get the lead. They're great front runners. But I still don't think things are all rosy with Tottenham going back all the way to the match against Frankfurt. So I'm passing here. I lean to the under. It's sitting at 2.75 right now. If it gets to three, with you know, minus 125, I will happily play it because I do think Spurs will defend the area well. And I still think their attack is not creating a ton in transition right now. They're not doing the things that, you know, in the idealized version of Spurs, they're doing. So I lean toward the under here. That being said, if you just blindly bet the overs and all these big six matchups until City Liverpool, you're hitting it over 75% in the last two years. So these big six matches have gone on a ridiculous overs run feel like at some point that needs to end. Uh, there's been some great finishing, some great attacking play. This game could be a little uglier than maybe some expect. Tuesday, 2.30 p.m. kickoff between Brighton and Nottingham Forest. Brighton, minus 250. <laughs> <laughs> Nottingham Forest. We were begging for these lines two years ago, right? We were begging <laughs> we for Brighton. Was coming. We knew it was coming. Finally, put some respect on their name, right? Forest oh, is 6-1. to one. The draw is plus 375. Of course, these odds are from Bet365. 
Uh, Seagulls are one, one and three win draw loss in the last five. Their expected goals is basically even Forest, Meanwhile, Oh, one and six in their last seven, but over their last five matches, which were born with Fulham, Leicester Villa and Wolves, the XG is basically even as well. So force, you know, BJ, you've kind of been onto it. They're slowly and under the radar kind of trending up, which is hard <laughs> to say because they have zero wins at one point in their last seven matches. Yeah. Um, and they have played two hard matches, you could say, and otherwise they played three, four, four teams that are in the relegation battle with them. Maybe five if you want to throw Villa in there. I know how this is going to go. The number's insane on Brighton. I like the number on Forest. I don't know if I can muster up the courage, which is saying a lot for me, to bet this terrible team at a big number. But it, I mean, I think it's it's worth a shot. So you'll know if I bet Forrest or not. If for depending on how that game goes, if if Forrest wins, you know I didn't bet them, and if they <laughs> they lose, you know I did. Anthony, let's just go right back to you before BJ gets to talk about Brighton as a minus two fifty underdog uh, on this one. Yeah, I mean it, it's the same conversation we we've, we've had about Forrest going into the last episode. You know, we just talked about Forrest and how they've conceded a ridiculous number of shots from outside the box how we don't expect that to continue, how we think their defense will improve. And they had an excellent showing. Now, granted, it was Wolves. You know, what can we take from that? Not much. So They should have tied, at least. And then they should have. Yeah, I mean, there was two penalties in the game. One team makes it, one team misses there. And Forrest should have had two penalties in the match. The the stupid handball that that went off the Wolves guy is the exact same thing that happened to the Forrest guy. And for whatever reason, VAR called the second one and not the first one. But whatever, continue. Not bitter. Yeah, not bitter at all. But, you know, Forrest have conceded 17 expected goals, 23 actual goals. Henderson's been one of the worst shot stoppers in the league. You go back to look at Henderson's past years, uh, there's no reason to think that he's a bad shot stopper. And so I'm more of the belief that he will just be better going forward, uh, and that will lead them to being better defensively. I don't think that they're that flawed defensively. You look at their XG allowed from, like, they've conceded six goals from set pieces. That's really bad. But then you look at the XG, and it's like 29 so that makes me think, okay, teams have hit some really good headers or good finishes against them, and that it's probably not going to continue. You know, you look at uh, the goalkeeping numbers. When Henderson was at Sheffield, he was plus five. When he was at United, he was plus 0.3 in total. Now he's minus three. So, you know, there's not enough data on him to say, you know, what we think he is as a goalie, but I, I there's strong data to suggest he's not a bad goalie. So I like the under here. And I will be betting it at two and a half plus money. I think that's a little bit steep. Brighton, of course, had two expected goals, didn't score against Brentford. They return home here. Forrest will sit deep. I don't think they'll be quite as open. I know that that's been a problem in the past, but Brighton is not a team that I expect to be hitting bangers from outside the penalty area. McAllister can do it in his sleep. BJ. Yeah, I mean, it, I think this is the conversation we're going to have with Nottingham Forest pretty much every single week now until they essentially either start getting some results or the market starts to catch up and say, Hey, maybe they're not as bad as, you know, their results have shown so far this season. I mean, defensively, they're still ninth in big scoring chances allowed. Like they're just allowing a ton of shots. And like Anthony mentioned, like nine shots have gone in from outside the box. Like that's the statistical probability of that only being, you know, 10 matches in is, is pretty crazy. Yeah. They're, they're going to sit deep. This price is too high. Yeah, if if Forrest plus one and a half gets to you know minus one fifteen, I, I have to play it. Like that's just crazy. It's sitting at minus one forty right now that on the spread. So I don't know if we'll get there. But yeah, Brighton is is overvalued, and I hate betting against Brighton. But again, like you could say, new manager bounce for Brighton. They looked good, obviously against Brentford, but this still is only the you know third or th- third match under Deserby. So um, so we'll see. Uh, we'll see where this line goes. But yeah, this is. I don't know if we, I'll be honest. I never thought we'd actually see uh, Brighton this big of a, uh, a favorite at home against a, not, a team not named Norwich. So, but yeah, it, it'll be interesting. We'll see if Forrest can actually finally maybe get a result. Yeah, there's there's probably just enough here for me to, to do it. So I'll, I'll be on Forrest. Let's go to the 315 game on Tuesday. There's two on Tuesday, I think four on Wednesday, and then two more on, on Thursday. Palace, they're plus 115 at home, hosting Wolverhampton, who just beat Nottingham Forest. Plus 240, the draw here is plus 230. Uh, this one, you can boil down to this statement. Crystal Palace closed as a plus 105 favorite against Leeds last week at home. Leeds are better than Wolves. I think it's pretty simple here. I, I like Palace. Back on the Palace after almost not seeing the light Anthony helped 
wide in my eyes that this team is fine. Their last since their schedule lightened up for Crystal Palace, the last two games, 1.8 expected goals against total Leeds and Leicester City. I'd say Wolves are basically right in that that realm as well. Meanwhile, Wolverhampton, their last four matches, 5.7 expected goals allowed. And they were lucky to beat Nottingham Forest according to expected goals. So it's this team is still not impressive. I think Palace are you know, a couple of tiers ahead of them at home where they do their best work. I'll be on Patrick Vieira and his Eagles. Once again, BJ, anything here? Yeah. I like both teams to score. No, at minus minus one fifteen. I mean, Palace two straight matches held an opponent under one expected goal. Um, they're bad. Hopefully, hopefully their head defense head in the right direction. A whole lot of nothing happening in that Leicester match at, uh, early in the morning. Really glad I woke up to watch that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. You know, the last match against Leicester offensively, it's kind of concerning for crystal palace. Cause you only create 0.3 XG against, you know, a Leicester city defense. That's been one of the worst in the premier league to start the season. Granted, obviously they've underperformed pretty drastically, but you know, last five matches, palace only created four expected goals and two big scoring chances. The flip side of that is wolves. I mean, they are still essentially what they were last year offensively, which is really, really bad. Like if like you mentioned it, Michael, if the penalty didn't happen against Forrest, they would have only created 0.5 XG against statistically right now, the worst defense in the premier league, their highest XG uh, on a non-penalty shot against Forrest was 0.12. It's now been five straight matches for wolves that they have not created a big scoring chance or created one expected goal from open play. And last season, when they played palace palace dominated them, both meetings beat them two nothing at both venues and wolves is only able to get a total of 17 shots in 0.7 xg against palace's defense um and really what it boils down to is do you really think wolves can can break down crystal palace's low block i don't think so i mean wolves yes they have their getting up there and expected threat they're they're getting the ball into the box you know triore created you know got the ball into the box against nottingham forest but Wolves just can't do anything with final third possession. They're just going to be taking a lot of low quality chances, probably from outside the box against palace. And uh, we're going to have to bet on essentially, or we're going to have to hope that the variance goes our way. Like Anthony mentioned off the top. So yeah, I have both teams score no projected at minus minus one sixty two. So I think there's a ton of value on this current line of uh, minus one fifteen. I'll, I'll present a little bit of a case that I have a little bit of a concern about palace for the first time this season. They only completed Four passes into the penalty area against Leicester. Yep. Not great. Only yep. 14 touches in the pat and in the attacking penalty area against Leicester, 16 against Leeds. You can go back to early in the season. Remember the Arsenal match at home, how dominant they were for the large majority of that match. They completed 30, they had 31 attacking penalty area touches, and then 31 in the dominant win against Villa, even in the draws against Brentford and Newcastle, 20 and 22. So Yes, Palace have covered for me in the last two games. They beat the market spread in those games, beating Leeds and getting the draw when they were you know, plus a quarter against Leicester. But uh, I will be watching that, and I will be passing this match. Wolves can, uh, you know, I think they have the better passing unit right now, and that's a little bit concerning uh, in a game where I need to get margin with Palace, where their attack has just not been the same. Uh, I do expect the defense to continue to be excellent. We saw that. In the last two matches, conceding less than one expected goal, impressive. But I, I think that the attack is something we need to watch because we're not getting enough of a sample beyond the big six, right? They played four big six opponents. That's a lot. But like we also now have five games against non-big six. And in Newcastle, you can kind of debate where they should be. But that's a sample that suggests Powell should be better than 19th in passing to the penalty area at this point in the season. Flip to Wednesday now, 2.30 p.m. kickoff. An absolute banger. Bournemouth plus 170. Southampton plus 150. The draw plus 240 for the South Coast Derby. Uh, the Saints defense trending down. 18th and uh, big chances allowed now. And uh, we, we, I mean, we knew this was coming. They, they, they got waxed in the yeah. second half. Yeah. Waxed by West Yeah, Should have been three goals. And they, and they get away with a 1-1 draw. You wonder where this line, you know, if, if this would be flipped if... Uh, West Ham had had deservingly got away with that win, uh, but the Bournemouth offense is just you know it remains terrible. Uh, they see, they keep putting points in their pocket though, which is it's going to be hilarious when we like wake up on January fifteenth and Bournemouth is six points clear of the relegation zone. <laughs> what the hell happened? And they they just took care of business early in the season. 
Yeah, this one is a easy pass for me. BJ, you're you're really the only one with anything actionable for the South Coast Derby. So it's all you. Yeah, I'm gonna make the case for Bournemouth here. Terrible. I mean, listen, yeah, they've been getting results against the non-big six sides. Like they haven't lost in seven matches against non-big six clubs. They're on an insane finishing rate, 10 goals of 5.9 expected. But, you know, it's one of those things that like, yes, there's going to be some regression. Like they can't continue to finish at this rate, but they're also going up against Gavin Benezu, who is the second worst goalkeeper in the Premier League right now. Like he has a minus five post shot, XG plus minus. If it wasn't for Danny Ward, he would be the poster child of bad goalkeeping. And listen, I said it last week, but Bournemouth's low block has actually been kind of effective this season. Like they're, yes, they're sitting, they have the lowest field till of anybody in Europe's big five leagues. They have a very low defensive line, but they've only allowed 7.1 non-penalty XG in the seven matches versus non-big six sides. Like they've actually been halfway decent. And on the flip side, back-to-back horrible offensive performances from Southampton. Granted, you know, they played West Ham, they played Manchester City, you know, two of the best defenses in the league, but overall for the season, they're only at 0.94 non-penalty expected goals per 90. They've only created seven big scoring chances. And this is not the type of matchup they really want. Like they want a more open game where they can press high, they can, you know, cause problems and, you know, be able to get in behind teams, but breaking down a low block is not something that I'm um, going to be betting on with Southampton here. I mean, they are, listen, they are eighth and expected threat. Like that's impressive, but you can't even convert a 1.3 expected threat into to one non-penalty expected goal per 90. Like that's, that's kind of embarrassing. So I have major question marks of them actually breaking down this, this Bournemouth low block. And, you know, the market's kind of crashed here on Bournemouth. They opened at plus 215 here. And then, you know, Southampton had a, a bad performance against West Ham and it's crashed all the way down to where it's actually pretty much a pick So I actually have Bournemouth projected as an ever so slight favorite here. So if you can find drawn bet at, at even money or better, I, I do think there is a little bit of value on the cherries here at home. Cause I just have, I have major question marks with the Southampton team right now. Uh, they just can't do anything offensively. And then, like you said, Michael, they just concede big scoring chances for fun. So um, yeah, I think, I think Bournemouth's crazy finishing rate might continue uh, on Wednesday. <laughs> uh, before we move on, Anthony, I mean, you can swallow it. I lean toward the under, but I've ju- I just looked and the market's already moved toward it. Uh, you know, minus one twenty five. I'm surprised the they didn't open at three. Just, I mean, I can't <laughs> believe I can't I cannot believe <laughs> that uh, I even live bet under three and a half after the first goal in in Fulham Bournemouth. Oh, me too. Yeah. Yep. And yeah. And the the second half was completely dead, but you know, didn't matter. Whatever. They had already scored four off of two. Expected. Uh, yeah. I mean, th- you know, the argument here, and I think BJ made a good point for it is that, you know, if Bournemouth doesn't continue to finish at the rate that it has, how do they score in this match? They're not going to be able to possess the ball. They're not going to be able to create. They had an incredible move for the first goal, but I do wonder if there will be that much space in behind in this match that they can exploit against Saints. Uh, I also, like I said, you know, the the market's already moved here on the under, so I'm I'm passing. That one will probably be what everyone watches on Wednesday, but there's other games, 2.30 p.m. That afternoon, Liverpool minus 225 at home, hosting West Ham 6-1. to one. The draw here is plus 375. Uh, this is a letdown spot for, for Liverpool if there ever was one after a really impressive. They got some bar luck, but still, they, they were good uh, against Man City, 1-0 victory at Anfield. Um, West Ham, by the way, when are we going to change our tune about them? They might be better. Then I think we we've kind of painted them as this season. Think of what 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 we were kind of inching at last year when when they were really good in the first half relative to where we expected them. They kind of fell apart, started the season slowly. But I think that they're better that we maybe have given them credit for. We've been talking about their defense for a couple of weeks now. Third and non penalty expected goals per ninety fifth and big scoring chances allowed. They should be able to give Liverpool a game. The numbers good enough to to maybe get involved, but likely a pass for me. Anthony, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, I think West Ham has looked much better in attack since Paqueta came in. We talked about this last week. I liked West Ham on, on Sunday. They were the much better side. Outshot Southampton 14-0 to in the second half. Completely dominated the match. They went down early. It was pretty even at that point. And then it, it was all West Ham from that point forward. The, the ball progression numbers are a major improvement under this new era. You know, the last four-ish games. Now, granted, the opponents have not been particularly good. And that is one argument you can make and say, hold on a second. We need to kind of hold our horses here. 
because of who they played. But with that being said, the numbers are impressive. They had only 10 or more key passes in one of their first six matches in the Prem. Uh, they've created 10, 11, and 12 in the last three going into today. Uh, we don't have the data yet from FB ref on that match, but I'm guessing it's going to be over 10. Uh, they're getting the ball into the area more. They're getting it, uh, you know, via carrying, which is a big part of Paqueta's game. And Bowen has come to life, attempted 11 shots in the first six matches of the season. Then he tallied a little under one expected goal in that. So that's, that's really bad for your first six matches from the guy who had a breakout season last year, but now the last three matches, 12 shots. So he's taken more in the last three matches than he did in the first six. So all that's really encouraging for West Ham. I wasn't that impressed by Liverpool. I thought they did a good job defensively stifling what city wanted, but I didn't think they looked. That's what we've been looking for out of them though. Right. Right. Absolutely. You know, it's a classic example of, you know, we can't just write off these teams, especially at home. This is the spot where I will be staying away though. Entirely. I don't hate a look on West Ham. If it gets to plus one and a half, like a flat one and a half, I'll bet it. But right now staying away. The next one is an absolute party. Brentford four to one at home hosting Chelsea minus one fifty four at bet three, six, five. The draw here is plus two eighty. BJ, I mean, this one, if you've been listening to this podcast, it should be pretty obvious how this, this breakdown is going to go. All three of us are going to be on the same side and it's not going to be Chelsea. Yeah. This mar- the market just continues to tell everybody that Brentford sucks. Like they're, they're terrible. They're a bottom half table team. Like, and it's just not, it's just not true. Like, yeah, they, they didn't deserve, you know, to get the win against Brighton. I thought Brighton was by far the better team. You know, Tony got a penalty, he, you know, cool back heel off of their one big scoring chance. And that was about it for Brentford. But it comes down to once again, we've, we've said it a million times, but they are just so incredibly difficult to play at the Brentford community stadium. I mean, United and Arsenal have gone there this season. United got, obviously got pummeled for nothing. Arsenal won three, nothing, but the XG was only one to 0.5 in that match since their promotion to the premier league. They've had eight matches versus the big six. They have a plus 0.9 expected goal differential in those eight matches. And the only teams they've lost the expected goals battle to is city Liverpool and then Arsenal this season. When Chelsea went there last year, they won one nothing, but Brentford completely dominated the match from a chance creation aspect. I mean, they beat them on XG 1.6 to 0.3. They outshot Chelsea 17 to 5 and had 43 touches in Chelsea's penalty area. And what's interesting about that match is the timing of when it happened to the season. It was Chelsea's coming off a 1-0 loss at home to United, then they lost to Juventus on the road in the Champions League. And they came back and they put up 3.6 expected goals against Southampton. Everybody thinks the offense is back. They go on the road to Brentford and they just create nothing. But then after that match, they went 13 straight matches of creating over one and a half expected goals in each match. Like it was just a, there's this weird outlier of like, Hey, how do they only create 0.3 against Brentford? Well, Brentford's low block. Like we've been talking about, they're incredibly hard to get the ball into the penalty area against them. And Chelsea, let's be honest, they did not deserve to beat Aston Villa this this weekend. I mean, Aston Villa created over two expected goals yeah. against them, had an expected threat of 1.8. What's most interesting is Villa had a 64% field tilt in that game. Like, they actually dominated in the final third. And the biggest part of it is, like, they did it without pressing. Like, they only created three high turnovers. Their pass per defensive action was only 11, but yet they were still able to get 12 deep completions and 13 shots into the penalty area. So, if you're looking for a team that can – do a very similar game plan as that and actually, you know, be somewhat effective with it as well. Brentford is absolutely that team. Also, for whatever reason, you know, I mentioned that on last week's pod that, hey, you know, Steven Gerrard actually kind of outmanaged Graham Potter in the two meetings, you know, that, that Aston Villa beat them Brighton on XG. Well, the same kind of thing happened with the Brentford-Brighton matches last year between Frank and Potter. Brighton, in the, over the two matches, was held to just 1.1 expected goals, no big scoring chances, and just six shots from inside the penalty area. So I think Thomas Frank will have a similar game plan that Aston Villa had, be able to keep Chelsea at bay. And this is also, I mean, this is Sandwich City here for Chelsea because they got United on deck this weekend. And this is their third road match, if you take you know the Champions League match. Yep. Uh, Unbelievable spot here for Brentford. So I'm on them plus one, uh, minus 140. Don't hate them, you know, plus half a goal at anything plus money uh, either. A couple of statements that I didn't think we'd be saying this Premier League season. One, Brighton are minus 250 under uh, favorite. <laughs> the other one, Kepa standing on his head. It was really, really good for Chelsea in their 2-0. Very lucky win over Aston Villa. This Chelsea team is still kind of working out the kinks as they transition. Uh, and I think that was pretty evident 
giving up 2.45 expected goals to the worst offensive team you know, in the Premier League outside of Bournemouth in terms of expected goals. Fifth match for Chelsea. This one will be uh, since October 1st. United on deck. I think this is just a really, really good spot to back Brentford. I'll be on the, the money line, four to one. They're at home too. We love playing the bees at the Brentford Community Stadium, especially against the big, big six. Anthony. 102 minutes today for uh, Kai Havertz and Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang together up top for Chelsea. One shot. <laughs> Reese James out, potentially through the World Cup now. Big loss. He looked like he was in the middle of a breakout season for them. He's really important for what Potter wants to do. I don't know what they're going to do without him. I think it's a major flag here. Raheem Sterling playing at like wingback. Eh, don't love that. N'Golo Conte remains out. Wesley Fofana is out to the World Cup. And Thiago Silva pick up, picked up a knock today, may not play. So and I think they're going to be extra cautious with him because they're already shorthanded with the center backs. They don't want anybody to get more injured, especially like you mentioned, United at the weekend. This is a really tenuous situation for Potter's team. I don't know what the plan is in terms of all the bodies missing. Who are they going to start? You know, we're looking at, you know, Kukureya at left center back again, I guess. And, and Chalaba, you know, we'll see. I mean, it's, 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 it's pretty concerning in terms of what they're going to do with their defending. And the attack is still not linked right. You know, it's still not working. Villa had their way with them in this match. They made it very easy. Like you mentioned, over two expected goals to Villa is a huge red flag. I don't expect Kappa to continue having, you know, blinders in the goal. They let Danny Ings and Ole Watkins take eight shots. That's a lot. It's really concerning for Chelsea here. So I'm happy to fade them again with the bees at home. BJ mentioned what happened last year. I think Chelsea is still clearly a little overvalued. They were overvalued today, stayed away, but they were, they were not the right side. Yeah, this, this is an easy one. Great, great number on Brentford. All right, let's just skip over Newcastle and Everton. No, 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 no. <laughs> we have to talk about how Everton couldn't attempt to stop a shot in the second half uh, against the time. Right, I'll set it box. up. I'll set it up. The Magpies. Minus 163 at St. James Park. Everton, 4-1. to one. The Dross plus 280. I've been saying for weeks now, this team's going down. It was just a blip. And you guys have saying, no, Everton's good. Everton's good. <laughs> uh, it seems like they're they're just, when they fix one thing, they start to look all right, like they're getting it together. Whatever part of the game, whatever part of their plan, they were kind of ignoring to fix, to sacrifice, to fix the other one, just completely comes undone. So, yeah, the attack is is pretty bad right now. Dominic Calvert Lewin still working his way back though. So I have faith. I don't think I like this number enough though. Newcastle <laughs> Newcastle look really good. They just it's so annoying because of how how they've accomplished it. But I I actually w- would say I wasn't too discouraged from Everton's play against Tottenham because they clearly set out to do something. They didn't accomplish it, sure, but they they hung around and it was a penalty that that really flipped the game. My my question is though, you go down a goal. Yeah, they, didn't, know the nothing. they didn't. They couldn't. I mean, couldn't, the funny thing couldn't. was like that the subs would tell you they were they were going to go for it, right? They 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 lashed Rondon and and DCL on the field, put a Wobie to that put another central midfielder, put a Wobie at wing back, uh, and they still couldn't create anything. It just it, it it feels concerning to me that you know I'm a top Tottenham skeptic, and I think the second half was the best half they've played in a very long time, uh, and it came against. Everton. Everton have conceded the second most open play goal XG in the league. Pickford uh, didn't have a great day against Spurs, but he's been very good shot stopping wise. It just feels like a house of cards. And I understand that they've made improvements in certain areas to not be a complete sieve, but I think we need to pump the brakes on the Everton love. I think this is a good alt line spot. If you'd like Newcastle to go after, I'm not sure that I'll get there because I want to look at this lineup that Newcastle is going to put out because Again, you look at the attackers and, and it still feels like they're all going to regress and they're just playing above their heads. But also with the midfield, as good as it is, maybe they're not. Maybe they, they have the potential to be better. And, and I think we're going to really going to figure out, Michael, how good this Everton, Everton team is after this match because I'm just going to read off their schedule going forward essentially yeah. until, until we break for the World Cup. They got Palace at home, on the road at Fulham, at home against Leicester, and then on the road at Bournemouth. Like if they can't create anything against those teams, then there's some major concerns and we might have to start thinking about a, a managerial change here. <laughs> Never again, again. No, I mean, yeah, they're, you know, they're sitting there, they've conceded uh, 11 goals from 17 expected. 
They've only Great. scored eight from 10. I mean, they're like, like I said, I said this on the last pod, the whole league's due for unders except Everton, who, who <laughs> should be playing a couple of wild games here in the, in the coming, you know. Well, they have, they have the, uh, the best fire firemen in the league, Cody, Tarkovsky, and Ghana, and Pickford. Those guys all are really good at putting out fires, just like hurling themselves in front of shots, whether they're a goalkeeper or not, or in Ghana's case, just like stifling a, a counter. So I can also see have them not have not won XG since forest in August. Yeah. Uh, that's uh, I think, um, I think there's a, um, a, a gentleman who might be available. He's coached Tarkovsky in the past <laughs> knows how to play a low block. He was you know spotted at Leicester. Maybe, maybe, maybe wants to be their new manager. I think he'd be, perfect. I think he watched Leicester palace and was inspired by, you know, I think he had he his, was, his, honestly. his fingerprints were all over that match. Right? Oh yeah. yeah. He coached both those teams. That was actually, that was a, like a, a Sean Dyche, Roy Hodgson match. That's what it was. That was the Roy Hodgson crystal palace that we watched. It's actually Atlanta. a good point. They looked a lot more like Hodgson Palace, which that team cost me a lot of money. Yep. Because they were a luck box, but now Palace, you know, we'll see. But yeah, I Everton, mean, it, feels like the, it feels like the regression is coming and, you know, perhaps they, they dodged it for a little bit here, but away at Newcastle feels like a spot where the market may not make them a huge underdog because Newcastle is not that much market respect, but there's a world where Newcastle pays them here. I know that this line's going to be sitting on Wednesday at Newcastle minus two ten, and I'm going to have to stare at Everton plus one. I'm just, and I'm going to have to decide whether I have the courage or not. So we're going to do we'll it. See. We'll see. You and me. Yep. Uh, Thursday, Fulham plus one seventy at home. Villa plus one fifty five on the road. The draw here is plus two thirty. Speaking of managerial changes, Aston Villa, Steven Gerrard, Styles make fights. These are two very different teams. Fulham's defense. Leaks like a sieve. Villa's attack, except for when they play Chelsea, can't take advantage of it. I want to read off some expected goals against numbers for Fulham over the past you know, month and a half or so, or the last uh, seven matches. So in four of them, Arsenal, 2.4 expected goals. Spurs, 2.5 expected goals. Newcastle, 3.5. West Ham, 3.3. And I understand that those teams are much better than Aston Villa going forward. But those are glaringly bad numbers. And what we know about Marco Silva just from his days with Watford and Everton, it's he doesn't really know how to sort them out. Like if he's if his teams can't play you off the pitch and they need to manage a game, it's gonna be an issue. And then Aston Villa is a team that just they just want to manage games. That's what they do. They wanna they they're they're you know for for our college football listeners out there, for those who like Don't Iowa. Say Don't say it. They are Spencer, Spencer Petrus. They just they will they want to just manage a game, keep it as predictable and pragmatic as possible. Uh, I I got nothing here, but this, this it is a re, it's really funny to watch this one. This is a a Newtonian battle if there ever was one. Uh, BJ, what do you think? Well, I'm passing on this one, but it's funny you mentioned the last seven matches for Fulham. You read off the XG. Uh, they've had two big scoring chances for seventeen against. Like you mentioned, Marco Silva is just. He's just going to try to play one way, and that seems to be the only way right now. You know, I, I I texted Anthony about two weeks ago, and I said, when do we start getting worried about our Fulham top promoted team bet? And he just kind of was like, who are you worried about? And I said, Bournemouth keeps winning. And now I, I, I'm, I'm starting to get a little worried about that bet. As far as this match is concerned, I mean, I mean, the number on Aston Villa is not quite good enough for me. Like you said, like, yeah, they created 2.3 against Chelsea, but we can't really take a, a one-match sample size and be like, oh, my gosh, this Aston Villa attack, it's back. They're like, back. Yeah, like Leon Bailey, Coutinho, like, oh my gosh, they're, they're so good. Like we they're gonna, you know, trounce fall like hold it, pump the bricks. Like they, you know, they there's been a lot of matches where they've barely been able to create half an expected goal. So I am passing on this one because uh, you know, this this Fulham team, I don't really know what to make of them right now. Anthony, you you spent the first you know six weeks of the season sinking money into this Aston Villa team, then you stopped. And now you're back. Yeah, you know, you know what I'm doing. I'm taking all my Fulham early season profits, and I'm now, and I'm, and I'm now <laughs> rolling them over into Fulham fades. <laughs> Funny how that works. Uh, you know, over the course of a season, we go up and down on teams, and uh, I'm certainly down on Fulham. Although I did just see a stat that Tim Ream has the most aerial duels won in the Prem and has not been oh. passed yet a single time this season. Guard so, him at center back, baby. 
That is our U.S. men's national team center back. But yeah, I mean, the, the, the form is really bad. There was a red card in there against Newcastle, but even so conceding 3.3 to West Ham, conceding a full expected goal to Bournemouth. I mean, that doesn't (laughs) sound bad, but I mean, when Bournemouth hadn't, produced a full it's like 30 percent of Bournemouth's, Bournemouth's <laughs> any of its matches the entire season except for danny ward things that's uh, a bit of a red flag for uh the fulham defense which is clearly regressing uh, and this attack continues to be overvalued overrated in the market it's, I've, I've i've felt that since day one with this team i thought their defense would be a little better it's fallen off a little bit i'm taking villa here i think this is a get right spot for villa this is a put up or shut up spot for Gerard. And I know another one, this is not like, I, I don't have a huge edge here. I have Villa projected at minus one eleven. So on the draw, no bet. So like, this is a tiny edge, but I'm going to play it because I think these two teams are going to start trending. One's trending down the table. One's trending up the table. Based on my preseason priors, I think Villa will make a step forward here. It's so hard to say because they have been so bad, but it's very hard to see Fulham creating much of anything in this match against a Villa defense. It's been so dominant. Uh, so, you know what? Oh, my nose. You, know, you know what? Anthony put me down for the syndicate again. The I'll, syndicate. Yeah, let's do it again. I'll do it. Uh, we'll be taking out a second mortgage to be yeah, the syndicate. Let's do it ready. again. Why not? Oh, boy. The other Thursday game Leicester plus 110 at home, Leeds United plus 230 on the road. The draw here is plus 240. Uh, not a bad showing from Leeds in a 1 0 loss to Arsenal at all. I was impressed. Meanwhile, Leicester, uh, we know that they're below average in basically every defensive category except for denying crosses into the box. And I mean, Leeds is just not the type of team to just whip things into uh, the 18-yard box. So I think stylistically, this is fine for for Leeds. They they force mistakes. They'll they'll be pressing Leicester all over the place, even on the road. They're creating enough offense for me to think that they should be able to. Uh, pull the upset here. So I, I like Leeds on the, on the money line plus 230. Anthony, back on Jesse Marsh's side. Yeah, happy to bet him again. Did not get a result. Should have. Uh, I would like an apology from BJ. Well, you shouldn't have a penalty in the first place because VAR missed an offsides in the buildup. So, you know. The there shots goes in the second there. half were nine to one. Arsenal managed the game well. <laughs> ah, that's a, that's a Great spin. defensive performance. Convert yeah. your chances. Sorry. Yeah, so... No, uh, I will not apologize for that. VJ control all he wants. That was a Jesse Marsh masterclass of a performance. It was a, it was uh, a you know, spot. I had Arsenal fans on the timeline. It was a spot situation timeline. for Arsenal. Calm down. It was a spot I, I think, I think, you know, of my close peers in the soccer community, I think Arsenal is probably the most supported team of my, of my peers in the soccer community on the Bird app. And many of them were saying, you know, this is the, this is the best matchup anybody's given Arsenal all season. And I agree. I thought they took it to him. I thought it was very impressive. I wonder if they can replicate it on the road. That's, that's a one concern here with backing leads away from home. But I get the better team plus a half, minus one thirty. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to take leads immediately, uh, and I and I expect that market to move toward them. Uh, I think this game is a perfect lead spot. They should be able to disrupt Leicester, uh, and like Leicester's attack is still really bad, guys. They're just still getting by on these long range chances being scored. Still bottom five in average shot distance. Uh, all right. With that, we can move on. There's La Liga is the only other midweek match. But before we do that, a quick reminder. Wonder Goal is presented by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION to get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer in New Jersey and Colorado. Bet $1 on any game. Get 200 free. BJ, you're the only one of us with a play in Spain over the midweek what do you got? Yeah, let's go with Almeria versus Girona. A little promotion matchup here. They're starting to become kind of a little bit of a trend in La Liga where I think we're going to have to start playing some overs. You know, the, the goalkeeping's been a little, little subpar. You know, the teams are not just sitting back in 4-4-2s anymore. They're coming out. They're playing, you know, 4-3-3s, different types of formations and being more attacking. So I don't think we'll see... We're not really seeing the, the old La Liga. We're kind of seeing a trend to, towards a more attacking La Liga. And Girona is one of these teams that has been good offensively. Like they just put up two over two expected goals against Cadiz on Saturday. And, you know, they are top 10 in expected goals, shots per 90, progressive passes and dribbles and expected threat. 
And most importantly, they've played four matches against the bottom half of the table and they've created 6.4 expected goals in those matches. Now they're taking on an Almeria team that is set up very heavy towards the counterattack. Like they have the highest direct speed, like their bottom five and pass per sequence. And I'll be honest, they have kind of been struggling offensively since Umar Sadiq left the club for Real Sociedad. But in their last two, their last two matches have, they have put in good offensive performances. They put up 1.3 expected goals against Bayocano, created a big scoring chance. Then their last match on Sunday against Real Batiste, they again put up 1.3 expected goals and created a big scoring chance and did have nine penalty box shots. So when these two teams faced off in the division last season, Almeria won the first meeting 2-1. There were 3.37 expected goals created. Second meeting, Girona won one nothing, but again, 3.33 expected goals were created in the match. So I have 2.8 expected goals for this match. We're still pretty close in the season where we can use the priors from what happened last season. So over two and a half goals sitting at plus 120 right now, which I think is a fantastic price. You know, info goal has you know, over two and a half projected at even money as well. So I think there's some good value here on this over. All right. Uh, with that, let's move to our favorite underdogs, three leg money line underdog parlay, as always remind you to tread lightly with these. The pain will come. Anthony, uh, your favorite underdog. Yeah. I think we had two draws yeah. again. We love to draw these. It's it was very nil, two nil nils. Was it two nil nils? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. With Udinese and Newcastle. I think so. Yep. Uh, I don't remember what BJ's was, but I think we... I'll, 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 I'll mention it here when I get to my underdog. <laughs> oh, it was Mallorca, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm. On go the ahead. island. I'll, I'll start. Go ahead, but go ahead. Are they on the island? They're, no, no, it's not, it's not them. On the island. They're, they're it's not them. Go ahead. Uh, Leeds, plus 230. I just talked about it. So I won't go too far into this, but I was extremely encouraged by the performance away from or at home. I do have question marks about whether they can replicate it on the road, but I make Leeds uh, three-tenths of a goal better. And I have this lined as a pick'em, so at plus two thirty, I love leads here. We all love leads. We all we all love leads. Love leads. We all love leads. Uh, we all love Brentford plus four hundred against Chelsea. Uh, the bees. They've been one of the better teams at punching up, and they've given basically every top six side some issues since being promoted before last season. And this is a classic sell high spot on Chelsea, who closes. Minus 105 favorites on the road against Villa. They're minus 154 against Brentford. Brentford are better than Villa right now. I don't I don't get this one. It's a bad spot for Chelsea. They're dealing with a lot of injuries. They played five matches since October 1st. They got Manchester United on deck. This is a wonderful opportunity to get back on Brentford plus 400 at home. BJ, what do you have? Valencia plus 220 on the road at Sevilla. This Valencia team is actually resurging to being, you know, what Valencia was in the past. Like they are very, very good offensively. They've created 16 big scoring chances in their last six matches. Like their top five in expected goals or top five in shots per 90, which is really big because over the past few years under different managers, they were, you know, kind of sitting back in four, four twos, not really creating much just playing ultra conservative. And then they bring in, a uh, new manager Gattuso from who previously managed Napoli and AC Milan. And they have just resurged in this great offensive force now. And uh, let's be honest. I mean, Sevilla, they allowed three big scoring chances to Mallorca and they scored on their first shot of the match in the 55th minute. Like it was so dumb that entire match. This team still has major problems. Like they created, I mean, they created 0.2 XG against Mallorca on the Island and now they're sitting at, you know, plus 120 favorites here at home against a Valencia team that is starting to resurge up and be in in the conversation to be one of the top seven, six teams in La Liga. So uh, Valencia should be not be plus 225 uh, against Sevilla. So uh, give me uh, the bats, right? The black, the black bats, I think is the nickname of Valencia at plus 220. Gennaro Gattuso was on the 2006 Italian World Cup side. It's true. He, he earned the nickname uh, Braveheart during a stint at Rangers, which brings Bad me person, back. As it which, turns out. Yeah. Which, but it brings me back to. Look, look up his controversy list. That's a good one. Yeah. He's, yeah. He, he's got a, he's got some stuff under the hood, but it just bring me back to a question I posed last week about Italian World Cup winners who then played in the Premier League. We're still looking for one. Our, our producer had uh, mentioned that Matarazzi, he, he played for Everton, but that was before he won the World Cup. So it is such a strange phenomenon. Anyways, that wraps up our underdogs. Uh, Brentford leads and Valencia 52 to 1. 
should the three of them win, they will. It's going to hit this, this week. This one feels good. Yeah, this, this one, one feels this great. One, this is the one. All right, let's move on to our favorite bets for the Premier League during the midweek here. Anthony, real quick, what's yours? Brentford plus one, minus 130 at home against Chelsea. The Blues are overvalued. They only got one shot from their two star forwards, Aubameyang and Havertz. Uh, they have major injury issues in the midfield and now in defense with Reese James out and Golo Kante out. Uh, there's a, definitely some question marks about Potterball and how well it's actually working and how he's putting this all together, playing Kukurea as a left center back, playing Chilwell with him. They didn't look good particularly at all in this match. Now they go to Brentford, who have been the giant killers, who have been excellent at home, especially against big six sides. I like the bees plus one. Don't see Chelsea getting margin here on the road. Anthony's favorite underdog was Leeds. His, his best bet was Brentford. My favorite underdog was Brentford. My best bet, Leeds United uh, taking on Leicester City. They're plus 230 on the money line. The Peacocks, their flawed team. Uh, no getting around it. How about they're better than Leicester City? So this line already looks a little off with that in mind. But then you bring in the fact that this Leicester City defense is below average in basically everything, except for the the one thing that they do all right is defending crosses. Leeds doesn't do that. Six in non-penalty expected goals created on the season per 90 for Leeds United. They should give this defense a ton of trouble. Plus, Leeds' defensive flaws won't shouldn't come into question with the way that this Leicester attack is running. So I like the Peacocks plus 230 on the money line against Leicester City. BJ, bring us home. Tottenham draw no bad at plus 115 at Old Trafford. This, speaking of flawed teams, this Manchester United team continues to prove that they are not as good as the market says they are. They were even with Newcastle on Sunday. Final XG, United creates 1.1 expected goals. Well, that's great. But 0.45 it came off the Marcus Rashford header in the 94th minute, which means they created around 0.6 XG for the other 93 minutes off of 14 shots. That's not impressive at all. Now they're going to go play a Tottenham team that is only allowing 0.9 expected goals per 90 minutes against teams not named Arsenal, who is the number one team in the Premier League in big scoring chances allowed. Oh, and United is incredibly reliant on big scoring chances. They're ninth in shots, fifth in big scoring chances. Even if you think Tottenham is not the plus one XG differential per 90 team that they were under Conte last season, if we're just taking this year's numbers, Tottenham is sitting at plus 0.5 XG differential per 90. United is at minus 0.1. Even if you would factor in a little bit of home field advantage for United, there is no reason why Tottenham should not be favored in this match. So give me Tottenham. Come on, you Spurs. Draw no bet at plus 115. On that wonderful note, we end this episode of Wonder Goal for Anthony DeBunda, for BJ Cunningham. I'm Michael Leboff. Best of luck with all your bets. We'll see you again on Thursday morning.